Hi, this is Brian Crawford, co-host of the Small Business Small America podcast. You all know you all know names like Jack Welch, Bill Gates, Warren Buffett. But today we're here to explore the lives of small town small businesses and their CEOs and founders. Today I'm actually interviewing my co-host Stephen Mirabal, founder of Zia Media Group. We're going to talk about his story. Hi, Stephen. Hey, how's it going, man? It's going good, man. I'm excited to jump into this. Yeah, this is, I think, something uh, we both had in mind for a while, but thought when's the right time, and I think now's the right time. Yeah, and I think uh, from a timing perspective, if you wait until the right time comes, it never comes. So we just decided to pull the trigger on this thing, right? Right. right. So yeah, I think uh, something that I'm really passionate about is promoting small business. Obviously. Farmington, we're very aware of these large corporations that come in and set up shop and franchises and partnerships right. locally, and they're they're pulling a lot of money out of our community, and a lot of that money doesn't return to the community. Right. So, uh, what we'd like to do is put spotlights on small businesses. So let's talk about Zia Media Group. Yeah, let's do it. So, yeah. so how long has Zia Media Group been officially Zia Media Group? So we launched the company in 2012. And uh, Zia Media Group really was birthed out of uh, the desire to make something more for my clients because I've always been into media development, photography, you know, I've been doing photography and video for, for many years. And uh, Zia Media Group really had to be something bigger than just myself or doing freelancing, you know, because in the media development world, uh, freelancing is how you make money. Um, with art in your craft, you know you're you're able to um, shoot weddings, or you're able to do a small commercial for for a small business or something like that. Uh, but we we really wanted something more than just freelancers. Um, hate to put it this way, but working out of the grandma's basement, right? Yeah. Something bigger than that. Something more than that that uh, brings added value to to clients. So yeah, since January one, twenty twelve is when. We launched this thing. Now, now saying that Zia Media started as a as a company is a bit generous, right? <laughs> so, so yeah. when did when did Zia Media? I know at first it was you know Stephen Mirabal, mm-hmm. uh, the freelancer. You didn't live in your grandma's basement. But, no, no, I didn't. <laughs> but it wasn't your primary income by any means, right. right? So, so tell me a little bit about when when the vision changed from I'm Stephen Mirabal. I'm an artist. This is what I do. My wife is Brittany Mirabal. She's an artist. This is what she does. Mm-hmm. To, to, to developing a, a more cohesive vision of what you wanted to move forward to in the future. Yeah. I think it was in a, a, a breaking point for me in wanting to make this um, really a dream come true in me finally becoming a real business owner that eventually can employ people you yeah. know because i think there comes this point where where we all are in our uh, entrepreneurial careers where you know we're playing the golf game you know you know we're playing golf and at some point you transition into a bigger game like tennis where you need others in order for there to be more fun you know more activity more revenue more opportunities, not only for yourself, but now you're perpetuating this idea of providing for others, you know. And um, I came to this breaking point where, okay, we were developing this media, and then the business owners that I was serving at the time, you know, you know, doing that freelance type of work, mm-hmm. um, 
said, this is great, Stephen. Your commercials look good. Um, but there's not really added value to the quality. And I was like, what? As an artist, it's hard not to like, oh, what? Yeah. You didn't like what I do? You know, and that's not what they were saying at all. They're just like, no, we need help multiplying what you do. Yeah. And so that helped me to transition into not just developing a gig at a time, but creating a system where I can do multiple gigs at the same time. And the only way to do that is to develop a plan for growth, develop a plan to replicate a process, develop a plan to replicate um, anywhere from developing presets to working with templates inside the program to then, wow, now I need to write contracts with clients. Now I need retainers. Now I need to be able to um, guarantee that I can continue serving them in a quality that matters. So that means I need guaranteed revenue from my clients. And so it was a win-win for everybody. We had to make that transition in order to um, make our services valuable again to people. And so that's really when it transitioned from just media development into marketing. And that's where we're, what we're doing today. Yeah, so, so you're an artist is, is your general default. You wouldn't say that you're a, uh, a businessman, but you, you develop the business out of necessity. Is that a fair statement? That's a fair statement. Although I can say I always wanted something more. Yeah. I just didn't know how. Yeah. So, you know, being th brought through the, the fire many times before that, and I'm sure you're about to ask these questions, but really there's been a history of me wanting to make this into something bigger. Yeah. Um, you know, my, both my grandfathers were, were businessmen. My uh, grandfather on my dad's side uh, was a barber and was a very successful uh, businessman and hiring multiple barbers. Um, and then my other grandfather on my mom's side was an optometrist and had many centers in Las Cruces, both of them uh, small business guys in Cruces. And so right here in New Mexico. Um, so I always wanted that, just didn't have the know-how. And so through multiple failures and businesses, that didn't work. Yeah. Um, really treated that as my school, you know, and, uh, and you make mistakes. And you know the problem is, is when someone doesn't let that crush them permanently, you know, and to grow from that. And so, um, yes, it was out of necessity, but I think it was a passion that was fulfilled, that yeah. was coming to, uh, or I, I guess a dream that was fulfilled through through all these necessities and these circumstances that required more of me, you yeah. know, to to do something different, to do something better. Now, you you mentioned that that uh, your, your grandfathers both employed people. Why, why is that important to you? Uh, I, I think for me, it, it means so much to be able to then use, one, something that you love to do, but to help other families thrive off of what they love to do. So actually building a, a media company is cool because we are using all of these particular skills and turning them into green dollars for small business owners. And then our employees are able to say, wow, I can actually make a living doing something I love. But I like being able to be a part of that, that, uh, that mix because now the all of the energy that I put into the vision for this business is not completely selfish. 
Yeah. Now I'm feeding into other people's lives. So there's some fulfillment personally into adding to that. I think for, for them, it would have been the same thing. They were passionate about Las Cruces. They were passionate about con- keeping money close and not subbing out. See, in our, in our world of media and marketing, um, it's a subcontracting business. I mean, tons of people can hop on the internet, find a freelancer, get a gig done, you're over. You're not really supporting the local community when you're doing things like that. Although I get it because of the cost value there sometimes for people. They just want to go in, get a gig done, and go out. But what we're able to really do is partner with a small business permanently and actually keep that relationship going, keep the, the art moving, keep the passion going, helping their culture really build and cultivate into something that is, is real, tangible. Um, and that's only something local employees can can fulfill because we're we get to meet in person and work together in person um and i know they would say the same thing what i'm what i'm hearing and this is an ongoing thing i think you've touched on this a few Mm -hmm. times is that your i mean do your employees there there are a couple ways to look at employees I, i i hear a lot of small business owners look at them as if they're a necessary evil but that's not what i'm hearing here it sounds like your employees' dreams, goals, and desires to feed their families through mm-hmm. through their God-given talent is important to you. Why mm-hmm. is that? Yeah. Is that something that you would say uh, is a primary driver? Or is that kind of a secondary driver? Uh, I, I think it. That's a good question. Wow, didn't expect that one. No, that's good. I think um, seeing that exercise before me is definitely a key driver you know, in, in seeing those things lay out because even what we do, you know, when we're when we're talking through employment here and we're talking through projects that we're doing, I do my best, although not always the best, but I do my best to um, ask, hey, what special project do you think is going to be really fulfilling for you here that is going to make you feel like you're advancing and you're getting better and you're adding skill sets to your palette that you can take somewhere else, you know, and, yeah. and help dreams grow. So I think there is something there in, in um, empowering people and knowing that in that empowerment, there may be a time where they're going to use that in other places. And so it's not, it's not work lost and it's not passion lost. It's not like, oh, all of that training went to nothing. You're adding value to a person. And that person is then taking that to something um, hopefully bigger than what we could ever imagine. But that, that moment of actually investing in someone truly is an investment. I think if you look at people like as you would yourself, then there's going to be some, some real benefit to that in the short term too, I think. And it sounds like you've been able to do something that I think artists have been trying to do for years because when you look at the archetypal artist it is that person living in the basement of their grandmother's house and they're covered in paint or they're or they're going out taking pictures of supercars on the internet just like and everybody kind of looks at them like i don't know what that person's doing are they really adding value to our community are they a suck on the welfare system or whatever but it sounds like you've effectively been able to monetize um, not only your talents, but also give others an avenue for monetizing their talent. Sure, I, I hope so, and I and I think, you know, uh, I I guess the tricky part about all of this is running a, a professional marketing and media development company. It's a job, 
right? And mm-hmm. there's 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 things that will make us all better. And I'm the first one to understand, I hope, that there's room for all of us to grow. And so there's there's going to be those sticking points where it's going to feel like, wow, this is what we love to do. This is what we like to do. But um, there's a barrier there, you know, just like every workplace, right? There, there's things that you have to cross over to another another mountain to climb, another thing to do that's going to make us so much better. You know, even with this podcast studio that we just set up, this was a challenge for us. And we decided, let's do it. You know, no, you know, no one in small town America is going to try and do something like this. Why not? Why is comparing always our, and this is something you've shared with me before, but why is comparing to someone else ever going to help us be the best that we can be? That usually limits us to what they're doing. You know, rather than advancing and saying, how can we actually make something that's going to be memorable, that's going to be good, that's going to, you know, drive passion. And that's something that's important to me that I'm hoping that even through this conversation that we'll have over the next few months with other other founders and leaders and entrepreneurs is there is something about your ideas that can change the world. I, I really believe that. You know, and to assume that, oh, because we're over this lowly company or we're we're doing this just to get by that that kind of mindset um, is is not a mindset that's going to drive your company to the future. You know, and and quite possibly that mindset is going to be the the mindset that could drive your business to the ground. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, And so I'm hoping through all these conversations, we can unpack that and maybe even um, and come against some of the the uh, powers that be in, bi- in big business that would want to take the capital way that small towns are trying to generate for themselves. Um, and that's part of our passion at ZM Media Group in running this company is, you know, especially after the pandemic and all the laws and stuff that were they're going on through through the country and really putting their thumb down on the small business owner is we have a chance to not let that stuff get us down. We have an opportunity to to uh, transition and to shift a bit into what small town America needs, um, and that's a digital first presence. And so we're hoping to be that bridge for people and to really be the bulwark against big box stores for sure it's interesting that you that you delve into that because there's there's a lot of um, i think the the big problem with small town america is that oftentimes small business owners are are villainized Hmm. and saying that they're you know because you see them driving through your town in a corvette right it's a eighty thousand dollar car but but meanwhile people will will villainize the restaurant owner who has a corvette but they don't think about Bezos, who's flying all over the world in a in a private jet, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but Jeff Bezos can get up there and he can talk about, you know, they're planting ten thousand trees or whatever. Well, what's ten thousand trees when, you know, the, what's ten thousand trees in the grand scheme of things? Right. So, so you touched on this a little bit. So I think we can just go there. Um, mm-hmm. Small businesses locally, um, you know, Los Hermanitos shut down a, a branch. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bernadoni shut down permanently. Uh, St. Clair, which is a, a chain, but it is a New Mexico-owned mm-hmm. business, yep. shut down their Farmington, New Mexico location. 
Meanwhile, Amazon, Walmart, Target, record uh, profits. Record mm-hmm. profits. How how has the pandemic shifted your business, mm-hmm. and and how has the value proposition of Zia Media become more important during mm-hmm. the pandemic for oh, small business? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, I believe the world needs Zia Media Group more than ever before. Um, this feels like an infomercial now, but I'm so serious. I'm serious in in the most real way I, I can. Um, the pandemic proved that digital first presence, SEO, Google Maps, optimizing Google Maps for restaurants, making um, all of those digital first ideas real for the small business is really the full transition of our local economy, and I believe that um, in a way to where if your virtual door isn't ready, if your virtual door isn't prepared to receive money, I think everyone wants money. Yeah. I think the small business guy wants his business to succeed. He wants it to win. If he's not driving leads, if he's a sales-driven business, or if he's not driving sales, if he's a product-based business, um, digitally and virtually first and thinking that as their first open door and brick and mortar as an add-on, as a bonus, as a benefit, um, they're going to be left behind. And so that value, value proposition is very real for us. And it's made us make New Mexico a priority for us. And being truly a partner and locking arms with the business and saying, we're not going to charge you crazy exorbitant fees. We're just going to be your partner. We're going to be your marketing department. We're going to fill in those gaps that you're really unsure of, and we're going to make it easy for you so you can just keep doing what you love doing. But there's training involved, right? There's training, I mean, in your world in real estate, right? You have tons of lead generation um, types of processes and and it takes training, you know, in order how to fill those funnels and deliver those funnels and do all those things. But brick and mortar companies have to think the same way. And um, so, yeah, we really feel that that we're needed, that we want to be there and we're prepared to help them um, in a very real way. So, so, yes, our value proposition is real and it's so real that I believe it is a um, are we going to stay open or not? kind of value proposition, and not as a threat, not as a fear bait at all. It's a reality conversation. And sometimes people, um, I've heard this word before, it's actually on Stranger Things. Um, (laughs) Who doesn't like Stranger Things? Um, And it was one of the crazy conspiracy theory guys, and they were in his basement, and uh, they're, they're asking him, you know, why won't people just see the truth? And, you know, why do they keep the veils in front of their eyes? And he said something that stuck with me. He said, because they like their veils. You know, sometimes it's hard to look in the mirror and say, wow, I may have to transition my whole company that I thought that was mainly and only brick and mortar into something better and more available to the masses. And, uh, and that's one of the reasons why big business did so well during the pandemic. They were available and they had steps ready in an instant to transition into it. And small business in small America didn't. They weren't ready. 
And, and so our society as a whole is seeing this transition from being physically-based mm-hmm. businesses to being a digitally-based business. You look right. at uh, Amazon, for example. Mm-hmm. They're a digitally-based business. Mm-hmm. And what they realize is that they could only do so much digitally. Right. So then they acquire Whole Foods, and the stock prices go up, 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 hmm. right? And, and so this digital first idea that you're presenting mm-hmm. is something that we've seen for 10 years from the big boys. But at the same time, we saw that Walmart made a similar transition. They're all physical. You know, Sam Walton, right. he actually started by going into small towns and creating these big box stores that, that, that nobody thought would work in a small mm-hmm. town. Right. And, and they... They, this has been about four or five years ago now, they made this huge announcement that they were about to spend billions of dollars on an internet platform so that they could enhance their physical location digitally. And, and their stock plummeted because they were investing all this money. But the difference is, is that Amazon is a digitally based business that's physically enhanced. And, and you're right when you say these brick and mortar businesses have to understand that that is, that is secondary to their online gateway. Mm-hmm. And the pandemic has made this ever more present, especially in New Mexico. So, so Now, let me counter to yeah. that a little bit. Why do you think um, some small businesses struggle with that transition in your perspective? Why do you think there's a, um, an inability to see that... that that risk factor is just ever before them. I, I think for the same reason that Walmart, their stock went down afterwards, mm. because Walmart has has created this sacred cow in their physical location, mm. and and um, they they didn't they thought about a website and a web platform not as a not as an enhancement to their client, but as a necessary evil to fight off Amazon, and. And what small businesses are realizing, this is what, this is, we, we have similar backgrounds, but we're not right. talking about me right now, we're talking about you. <laughs> the, having a digitally based business is better for your clientele and it's better for your customers. And it's what your customers want now. Mm-hmm. So anyway. Yeah, no, that, that's really helpful. And I think if, if we're able to, um, for the sake of small business, have part of this conversation, and, and we're going to have so many conversations in the future, but I think an important one is to say that at least to, in the very least, to make an, an equal, you know, let's make brick and mortar in our digital presence at least a similar effort. Let's focus there. Let's not forget about our brick and mortar by any means, but let's make it a priority. You know, let's do something to make that, that shift truly happen. And I believe if that shift begins to happen sooner rather than later, and there's tons of innovations. There's so many opportunities for small businesses to actually compete yeah. in a real way, especially in small America, in a way that, that the big box stores, quite frankly, don't want to invest in. Yeah. They, it's, in their mind, it's not worth it for them, especially when you're not connected to an interstate. You know, and you're in a small town where it's, it's just a highway that'll get you there, you know? Yeah. So, so let's let, let's delve into that a bit because uh, there, there's been a couple mentions of uh, big box stores. Um, right. there, there's a big lobby against minimum wage and that sort of thing. You you've you've mentioned that your employees are important to you. 
right. and and that you want to enhance their lives through the vehicle that is Zia Media Group. Do you think that's the same for for who are your big competitors? Who are your big nationwide competitors? That's that's a good question. Um, so our our biggest competitors would be lead generation based marketing companies. Okay. Because they're able to um, come with proprietary software and and seemingly now I don't agree with everything that they're doing, but provide a, a local client with digital only products, right? So um, Thrive would be one of those. Um, HubSpot, they provide a CRM, but then they have an internal network that they, um, but HubSpot is, is great. They're, they're actually great feeders of the local digital marketing world, but they're still a competitor, you know? Yeah. Um, some of these companies, niche market-based marketing companies are also our competitors. So you'll, you'll get, um, so we like serving car dealerships. Mm -hmm. But you have uh, one of the biggest car dealership uh, marketing companies up in, in Chicago that serves about 2,000 car dealerships and doing all of their media. They subcontract all their media developers and then they, they just handle all their marketing. And so that's going to be the biggest competitor. But there's something, a part of that process that... Um, that they can never compete with, and that is the ability to meet with someone in person, um, the ability to find that context that is only in San Juan County and La Plata County, and have a person that can say, you know what, I know what you're talking about. I know what food festival is going on. I know what party's happening downtown. You know, yeah. I know the car show that's going on in the park. Yeah. None of those places can do that. They can't compete with that. And in the same way, other small businesses can do the same exact thing that Amazon, Walmart, and Target.com can't provide. Now, of course, Target and Walmart have places around. But there's the level of, of service and the level of s servanthood um, coming from your local employee base that no one else can compete with. Um, because even, even for you in the real estate world, there's big boys, right, mm -hmm. trying to impede themselves against the real estate world. And um, and they're trying to find ways, and there's always going to be that hook that they cannot fulfill. So, so you mentioned that there are local car dealerships that are using national firms for marketing and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Do you think over time, and I hope the pandemic has really awakened our senses to this right do you think some of these small businesses are cannibalizing their own clientele by outsourcing so much of what they do absolutely i think that by by outsourcing everything you do you not only lose money and i really believe this you lose tons of money you um, cannibalize the ability for the local economy to feed back into your own business Mm -hmm. And I think that hook is something that no one considers when outsourcing their marketing companies. And um, because there is a reason why people outsource. We want them to outsource to us. Yeah. There's a reason why you outsource your marketing. Um, one of those reasons is, let's say you get um, John Doe. He graduates um, with, you know, maybe a bachelor's, maybe even a master's in marketing or something like that. He starts out at you know, part-time, 20 hours a week, the median income for San Juan County for a part-time uh, primary marketing is kind of their thing. Um, 
they're usually paid around $38,000 for a 20 hour a week job. So that's 38K and then you add employment taxes, right? Now you're closer to, uh, I don't know what the math is, probably 44,000, 45,000 after that. And then with benefits and vacation pay and all those things. Yeah. But that marketing department head doesn't know how to properly shoot a cinematic quality video for the commercials. They don't have the team to run an audio engineered, um, educated sound. They won't know how to run the social media campaign properly. They won't know how to read the statistics for social media. They may have one niche that they're good at, that they graduated yeah. with, but they won't be able to find all those facets where if you, you subcontract like Zia Media Group and you pay something more like 24000 you pay half the price yeah. for them, but then you're getting the expertise of a videographer, photographer, web designer, SEO manager, and you're getting the product with it. People who are specialized in their individualized fields. Mm -hmm. Because right. you, can't, you can't be, uh, I've, I've always said that in, in real estate, it's like this, you, you can't be really, really good at selling houses right. and also be really, really good at managing property. Mm -hmm. you, you, it, it's kind of like a Swiss army knife. It's not really right. good for anything, but it'll work for just about everything. Right. Uh, so before I get any further, and I'm not talking about a specific dealership, but where did you buy your latest vehicle? At like what town? What town did you buy it in? Farmington. You bought it in Farmington. Yeah. Okay. Love my car. Yeah, I, I know you do. <laughs> it, it's it's kind of a truck. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> do you know what's the worst? The, the it, fact oh. that it's built on a minivan chassis. <laughs> Wow, we're getting oh, sorry. real. We're sorry. getting real. <laughs> now listen, now this is good. So the main thing, when I got the Honda Ridgeline, okay, and I yeah. love the car, it has some cool features to it. Yeah. When I got the car, someone who is, goes unnamed, he might be sitting with me right now, yeah. goes, seems like a car you would buy. <laughs> No, I think it's a great fit for you, right? Because you're not you're not the guy that's going to go jump your your, sure. your vehicle, I'm, right? I'm not. It's so, it's a great car. And, and having the camera equipment, all that stuff, you have the right. trunk in the back. But I but I say that to make the point that when I go to buy a vehicle, and this is something that small businesses really need to become cognizant of. Mm. It, when I when I order lunch, I I order lunch from local restaurants. Right. I it's very very rare that I go to a chain. If I do go to a chain. I ensure that there's local ownership. Hmm. Um, you know, Chick-fil-A is a place I go to often. Uh, they're a partnership, so they're 49% owned in Farmington. And that guy spends a lot of money in Farmington mm -hmm. and and hires local media company and a local florist to do his flowers. And, and so there's a lot of money that goes back into the community. Right. Um, I, I'm not going to get on an app on my phone and order my next vehicle. Because the re it comes down to this, right? So, so I made a, a post recently. Um, I, I was buying t our, all of our guys had a banner year, fantastic. So I bought them all TVs for Christmas, uh, like cool. big ones, like seventy inch TVs, because I, I love those guys. They make do you me love look good. Uh, not that much. <laughs> well, I do, but I pay you, like, <laughs> like true. not as an employee, Let's right? Multiple so, TVs. Let me count. <laughs> yeah. So, so I go down. I go down to uh, to Paradise Village. And I walk in the front door and I say, Scott, man, I need some I need some TVs for the guys. They had a great year. And he's like, awesome. Let's go to the back real quick. So we go back to the back. He shows me a couple TVs. And, uh, you know, I, I'm sitting there. I pay for him. 
And I was like, okay, where do I get those? And he goes, oh, the guy's already threw them in the back of your truck. Do you have a strap? I said, yeah, I got a strap. So I strap, I, you know, we strap them down mm. and off I go. Those guys loaded them up for me. Well, a few days later, my phone rings and it's Scott. And he goes, hey, I've got a friend who's looking for a house and here's his number. And so that's, that's what happens is if we're, if we're hyper-local in our focus, it, it only builds our boat. A rising tide lifts all boats, right? Mm -hmm. So Zia Media Group growing helps out our community because you're, you actually brought, uh, you, you brought somebody in from out of state recently to become an employee. That's a guy that's now buying food locally, paying rent locally. Mm -hmm. so, so coming back to this, I, and, and I'm going to digress a bit. Uh, I think we've stressed the importance of local business. And, and I hope you've seen this. If you're watching out there on, your, on YouTube, you notice the, the passion with which Stephen approaches the topic of his product. He's confident that his product is better than anybody's. So when he's selling his product, it's because he sees it as a necessity. He believes in it. He's doing it himself. He does video marketing for his own business. So the, these are... These are things that I feel like are very unique to a small business. Right. Uh, inevitably, because this is a business classified YouTube channel, uh, when the ads pop up, you're going to have some guru that, that says, <laughs> if you're investing in this, you should be reselling on Amazon. And he yeah. doesn't care that his product positively affects lives. He's just trying to suck money off of, off of <laughs> as many people as possible. One of the newest Todd Lopez ads. <laughs> he has the audacity. Um, and I don't know him personally, uh, obviously. And, you know, he goes, we need some big investors for our next plan. If you have 100K, <laughs> call me. I'm going to help you. You know what I mean? And, yeah. And, and, man, that just breaks my heart because there's so much passion in entrepreneurship. You can't take it to the next level if you want to yeah. without giving away your whole retirement. And, and so much of it is predatory, right? Right. All right. You mentioned you had some failures early on. Mm -hmm. What was your biggest individual failure or your biggest business failure? My biggest business failure. And we don't have a lot of time, yeah. so. Business, business, business failure in short. Shorthand would be um, passionate, uh, went into business with a great friend who's still a great friend. And we had a lot of mentors in our life that told us not to do this business. Don't do it. Don't do it. Yeah. Um, one of my mentors said, Stephen, I'm going to tell you right now, I did this once. Almost lost everything. Don't do it. And I said, you know, ah, they don't know the cool hip crowd like I do or whatever. It's going to be different. It's going to be different, baby. <laughs> Come on. You know, uh, and, you know, invested 30K into something. Um, it was a production company, a concert company where we were going to come and bring in local artists and do big shows and have great lights and stuff like that and invested everything in it and because we sold half the tickets that were going to come and the wisdom that we didn't listen to that we didn't heed was um, it won't work because we've done it before not because we don't believe in you yeah but because that model doesn't work here you know and so my biggest takeaway from that failure was um, listen to people smarter than you. It'll do you wonders, and it'll advance your years, and it'll keep you away from harm because people care for you. You yeah. know what I mean? So, um, so yeah, that's my biggest failure. It's interesting because you, 
there are always a lot of voices when you decide to do something unconventional when you decide to step out yeah. leave that that secure job that nine to five with dental benefits and all that right. stuff there are going to be people who try to keep you away from that that, mm-hmm. that literally are trying their hardest to keep you away from your dream saying don't do it because you're crazy you're gonna lose everything and, and, but then there are those those guys that go I think it's a good idea I think you should do it and, and those are people who are entrepreneurs who have started their own business. They've had some failures in the past. Mm-hmm. And, and it's important to surround yourself with, with people who know what they're doing, to, to watch videos of people who've been successful in business. Mm-hmm. Because what happened in that particular case, and, and I'm sure this was the case when you started Zia Media because I know it was the same when I quit my job, um, there were probably people who said, you're crazy. Mm-hmm. But then you present your plans before somebody who's smart, somebody who's a mentor, somebody who's been successful. And, and they go, you know, looking at it, this lends itself to, to your talents, and I think you can do a really good job. Mm-hmm. And, and I think you can be successful at this. Those are the people you want to listen to. Mm-hmm. And, and you're always going to have a lot of negative noise, but you want to listen to the people who have been where you want to go. Mm. So There we go. And I think that's the hook. And and so, yeah, my takeaway is is definitely follow your dreams. You know, you were given this vision for a reason to, 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 for the small business owners listening. Don't be discouraged. This conversation wasn't a, a way of beating you down or saying that you're going to keep failing. It was a, there's an opportunity just on the horizon that is already yours. You just got to run towards it, you know, and um, listen to the right voices Keep the right people smarter than you around you, and you'll be impressed with what the future holds. I think it's the Proverbs that says, a, a wise king counts the cost before he goes to battle. Mm-hmm. And, and I think um, there's wisdom in a plurality of counsel. So, mm-hmm. so when we start pursuing business ventures, mm-hmm. go talk to people. And, and I promise my wife, I, I've been in situations similar where I've lost my backside financially and and um as stupid as it is uh, you know don't does, buy I've always g- wondered does backside mean butt or the back um does backside mean I think butt? the whole thing the whole back and the butt <laughs> yeah yeah the okay. whole thing um yeah just like half of you essentially more than half of thanks for making that crystal yeah. I, I don't know yeah, if it's that clear but 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 at the end of the day I my wife has made me promise her because she's the one that that I, I'm okay with like a significant amount of pain because I know that it's always brought um, it, it's always brought me to a, a much higher understanding but she's told me she's like you know what I'm okay with any business venture you do but you need to go talk to Clint you need to go talk to Kyle. You need to go talk to these business leaders that that uh, that we have relationships with, and get their opinion. If they say it's cool, I'm good. And I think that's I think that's what we've learned is that I, I'm a lot slower to jump as I've gotten older, mm-hmm. and I've noticed you know same thing. Yep. Because it hurts when Absolutely. you fall. Absolutely. Yeah. But it but it doesn't kill you. Right. For sure. So. Because without that experience, I definitely wouldn't be here. Absolutely. Because you hit bottom, and, and what do you say? When, when, when you're on the bottom, it hurts. But as you're climbing back out of it, if you're like me, you just go, that wasn't that bad. Yeah. <laughs> Mine was pretty bad, yeah. but it yeah. didn't crush me. Yeah, it didn't crush you. Right. And, and if that happened again, mm-hmm. it wouldn't be the end of the world. Right. But I'm going to learn from my mistakes, right? Absolutely. 
So thanks for watching our vodcast. I hope you've enjoyed uh, small business and small America. I hope you've learned something. I hope this has been valuable. I hope, you I hope you've learned something about Stephen. Um, if there's somebody in town that you'd like us to have a conversation with, next time it'll be Stephen and I both talking to somebody. Um, if you'd like us to have a conversation with somebody, drop them in the comment section. If you'd like to be interviewed or, or want to hear more about somebody's specific story, let us know. We want to put a light on small business in small America.